Hello and welcome back to Third and Long. I'm your host, Aaron Hook. I am flying solo today, at least uh, host-wise. Um, Mr. Sam Prince has uh, very important matters to tend to, so he cannot be with us today. However, I do have two members of the Rowan Radio Sports Department here with me. Got Aiden Ray and first-time Third and Long guest, Connor McAndrew, is in the building as well. Guys, how are we doing on this Tuesday as week 13 of the NFL has officially wrapped up? How are we uh, How are we feeling? And Connor, you are an Eagles fan. I am indeed an Eagles fan. Okay, so we will get to that in a moment. But just generally, how are we feeling after the game last night and whatever? Honestly, feeling pretty good. Um, I didn't have to um, stress on Sunday about the Giants. But overall, um, we're I'm in a good spot with like um, – Academics-wise, and then, of course, like fo- we had some good football this weekend. And you haven't had to stress about the Giants in a while. They've been winning, actually. Everyone's which may, which ne- no wins add- are easy for us ever. It's just <laughs> it goes down to the wire. And maybe winning for the Giants isn't the best thing, but, again, we've talked about we that. We win when it's too late. That's, that's what it's been the last, like, six years, <sighs> so, except last year. So, Connor, as an Eagles fan, where are you at right now? So, um, definitely uh, low, but at the same time, the Shaq Leonard signing being really huge, he's going to be a big, big help for our linebackers who have been really uh, hurt this season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I really like that. Um, the loss and how bad it was, um, we really got picked apart offense and defense. And I wonder how we'll be able to take into this week because we, you know, we had the hardest schedule in the league. Now we're playing the Cowboys for the second time, and usually when we play this team, we're usually always splitting the series. Um, hopefully they can bounce back and finally end that streak of just splitting the series with that team. Yeah, and I saw that the Eagles haven't won in Dallas in uh, probably, I think, five or six years. Um, yeah. It, it's been a long time, and obviously with the way that things played out on Sunday, um this is the biggest game of the Eagles season, without a doubt. Um, Dallas is a, a game behind them now for both the top spot in the NFC, but also, of course, the NFC East. Um, you have Detroit at 9-3. and three. You have San Francisco with the win getting to 9-3. and three. So all of a sudden, that cushion that the Eagles had is really no longer there. And again, you know, the talks over the last few weeks with the Eagles have been... You know, this is where we're going to see what they're made of with this with this really tough stretch in their schedule. Going Dallas, then the bye, then the Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, and then, of course, Dallas again on Sunday. Um, Sunday night, that'll, again, be in Texas. So, I mean, I, I think when you looked at that five-game stretch, Connor, again, we talked about this yesterday on offsides also, like, if you thought to yourself, if we could come away from this five-game stretch, four and one, that's pretty good. But the way you lost to San Francisco on Sunday, I think definitely raises some concerns. And those concerns, I think, were pre-existing in previous games as well. Um, you know, the offense uh, in the first half not doing enough and having to play from behind. The back end of the defense, the linebackers, like you mentioned. Defensively, the Eagles have really kind of, I think, taking a step back this year. And uh, I think winning has kind of overshadowed that. But when you get blown out on your home turf against a team that good like San Francisco, it, it certainly, you know, raises uh, a few alarms, I, I would assume, in, in the heads of Eagles fans and, and yourself included. 
Absolutely, Aaron. When we're talking about a team that was, you know, the best record in the NFL, you're going into this week against the Niners. The Niners are doing everything in their power as fans just to get into the Eagles' heads. You saw what they did in the pregame, um, interfering with their practices. Yep. You saw the altercations and the fights that happened in the games. The Niners definitely got the best end of the Eagles. But at the same time, the Eagles are still the one seed in the NFL. Now, it may be close now that you have the Cowboys because now the Cowboys are going to try and take that Eagles NFC East spot right now as their number one. And I feel like the Eagles, they need, the biggest games after the Cowboys is definitely the Seahawks. The Seahawks, every single year we play this team, no matter where it is, and we're expected to win by big margins. I mean, you could take the year we went to the Super Bowl. We lost on Monday Night Football to them. We're playing them again on Monday Night Football after the flex, and the fact that we're playing them, and especially the last matchup, um, it all comes down to how we do against the Cowboys to know how comfortable we are with the Seahawks. But the Seahawks is as big of a game, in my opinion, as the Cowboys. Who do you think is a bigger threat to Philadelphia, the Niners or Dallas? I would go Niners because the Niners' offense, they can get it clicking quickly. Like, we stopped them on the first two drives of the game. Brock Purdy was clueless. He looked like himself from last season. And it was like, wow, this quarterback, you know, undrafted for re- – or uh, Mr. Relevant for a reason. And then he showed why he was relevant. And uh, after those two drives, they um, approached the situation quickly and they got to the Eagles because the Eagles are known, and especially the games against the Bills and the Chiefs, giving up down 17 – giving up 17 points in the first half and then just mounting incredible comebacks over these defenses. And they just weren't able to do it against the Niners. But at the same time, I feel like they're going to get, they're going to get better with the Shaquille Leonard signing. Mm -hmm. And I think we can still finish off really strong. I'm not sure if the one seed is still ours, to be honest, because that Niners win was very detrimental, but there was a lot of issues on both sides of the field that I hope the Eagles can clean up. So they do sign, again, Shaq Leonard, um, to a one-year deal, four-time All-Pro with the Colts. Um, I mean, I remember he used to, when you looked at, when you would look at like the tackles leaders, total tackles, um, he was always up there, top of the lead. Just, and that was a problem for the Eagles on Sunday as well, was tackling. Um you know, Seth Joyner and the Eagles post-game show even came after, um, you know, the defense. And, you know, he talked about Darius Slay individually, and they had a little back and forth on Twitter. Um, but I think Leonard is just such a surefire tackler, veteran guy. Eagles and the Cowboys both wanted him. Yep. You know, Cowboys actually got an interview with him first, yep. walked out of there without a deal. He went to Philly, walked out of there without a deal, and then a few days later he ends up signing um, with the Eagles on a one-year deal uh, to finish out the rest of this season. So, um, you know, again, Eagles defensively, Aiden, when you look at them, uh, we've said it, it's a group that is regressed. They need guys who can cover in the middle of the field. And Darius Leonard, you know, you put him into that linebacker spot. Again, he's a guy who has experience both stopping the run and playing in coverage. And, you know, when you look at this stat, of the 314 passing yards for Brock Purdy, 213 of them came after the catch. 
Uh, that just tells you, I mean, Eagles were not wrapping guys up in open space. Yeah, that's true. That allowing 42 points after having like winning winning games against Buffalo, Kansas City, Dallas, like that was that was definitely a rough situation for the Eagles and their defense, especially because they have like had some issues in their defense this year, and like it's not been the same compared to the 2022 team where they were um, overall way better compared to now, but. Signing um, Shaquille Leonard is definitely, like, good for them to especially, like, get someone else on that defense again and making sure, like, they do not allow that many points again um, during the season. Yeah, and again, Zach Cunningham out with an injury in this game. So when he returns, you know, maybe you have a little nice little one-two there with him and Leonard. And, of course, you drafted Kobe Dean. You're waiting for him to get healthy as well. So Eagles a little bit banged up at linebacker. Secondary needs to get better as well. Um, and you know, the Kevin Byard signing has, it's been, he's been okay, right? I mean, he hasn't, yeah, me if I'm wrong, Connor, he hasn't been anything incredible. Besides the one interception against the Chiefs, um, he really hasn't shown what he's supposed to be doing. He's a top 10 safety in the NFL. He was a great player for the Titans. And when he came to Philly, we were expecting that same kind of mentality mm-hmm. and he just really hasn't shown it. Um, it is a better look than Terrell Edmonds. That's who we traded to the Titans to get to get Bayard. So there is like a positive to that. But Bayard is a veteran, so I feel like he he's too new to the system to understand it. And he is under contract, which is a good thing to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is quite young still, in my opinion. I believe he's like twenty eight or twenty nine. So. I still like him because we won't have to go for a safety and free agency as of right now with Sidney Brown being our rookie out of Illinois with a third-round pick. So I like our safeties as of right now. Our corners are definitely an issue. Slay has definitely taken a step back. Bradbury, he's literally a hit or miss at this point. Um, he can cover sometimes, but we're you know we're hoping these two guys we paid a lot of money for to be covering every play, and they just haven't. Aiden, I will leave you with a question. What's up? Are the Eagles frauds? So, to be honest, I don't see them full on as frauds. I know, like, a lot of people are just going to say after a team, like, loses, they'll just be like, oh, they're frauds right away. But honestly, no, this is a, yes, this was a bad loss for them, but I still do not think they're frauds. They can, I'm sure they can still get the job done, of course. But the real thing is, like, what happens next week at Dallas? That's the real thing. Will that show if the Eagles are frauds or if they're still like a full-on legit NFC East team and to be a one seed in the NFC? And that also will like question like if the Cowboys are still like beating up, if they're like, if they could be frauds. But still, like going into this matchup next week for both Philly and Dallas, this will question who is the fraud and who is a legit threat in both the NFC East and, and as a whole, the NFC. And, you know, Nets game, or Sunday's game, excuse me, may not only decide the NFC East winner, it also may decide the MVP of the league. Because on virtually every betting platform, website, whatever you want to call it, um, Jalen Hurts has slipped to third behind both Brock Purdy and on pretty much across the board, the betting favorite right now to win the MVP is Dak Prescott. Um, 
So, I mean, the way that, that Dak has been playing the last month, I think that's probably deserved. You know, Jalen Hurts has been pretty great also. He obviously walked off the game against Buffalo. Um, and had a big-time game there. I, You know, I just think sometimes for Hurts, he isn't... He, he's not going to put up these dotty kind of passing numbers on a week-to-week basis. Of course, he loves A.J. Brown, loves Devontae Smith, gets those guys the ball, but... You know, I mean, outside of those two guys, you know, Dallas Goddard isn't here. Uh, he doesn't have that kind of insurance blanket. And, you know, the run game for the Eagles is pretty much just evaporated out of nowhere. They, they What have they handed off, like 10 times on Sunday, Connor? Not that many. So to not have the complement of a run game and to basically have those two guys out on the outside as your main two weapons going up against, you know, a, a gauntlet again of pretty good defenses, Kansas City, um, Dallas, San Francisco, um, Buffalo, you know, their defense is underperformed, but they still have talent there. And, um, you know, I think his taste has just kind of been slipping. And again, the way that Dak and the Cowboys have really kind of dominated offensively the last month, um, he has now shot up to number one. Um, do we think there's a legit chance that he holds on and, and wins the MVP? Because I, I do think that's... Probably more than likely to happen. I mean, Brock Purdy is there too. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I like Brock Purdy. Um, but I think, I don't know, if Dak Prescott was playing for the 49ers, I think he'd be Brock Purdy on steroids. I'll just be honest. Oh, 100%. <clears throat> the fact that Purdy being number two, what was he before the Eagles game, you know? That's a really, really good question. Um, I wish I could go week by week. These are the most updated odds. <sighs> he was pro. I mean, you would probably have the fit. So this is this is the order right now. So it's Dak at the top, right? Purdy, Hertz, Mahomes, Tua, Lamar, and then Tyreek, and then C.J. Stroud. So that's the top seven, let's say, or seven or eight, whatever I read off. I mean, you would have the figure Purdy was probably in the lower half of that before. Yeah. Uh, and he's probably shot up, like, two or three spots. Like, his odds have probably shot up, you know, they're they're, they're probably um, double as good as they were a week or two ago um, in terms of not value, but, you know, his actual increasing odds to win the MVP and the betting odds. Um but, I mean, Dak right now is the betting favorite, and a lot of people are saying, you know, they feel a little different about the Cowboys this year. I I would definitely agree. The Cowboys are coming off a much stronger year. They're looking to be a lot, lot better than where they always start, you know, hot start, then just fall out of nowhere, and then barely slide into the playoffs like they did last year against the Niners. Um, but they're much, much more well-rounded team, even though it's a similar roster to last year, but the coaching has looked a lot better, in my opinion, for the Cowboys. And, you know, as an Eagles fan, can't really say too many positive things about the Cowboys, but they deserve all the credit. The thing that scares me is how close their matchup was against the Seahawks because that just shows how dominant the Seahawks have been. And the fact that not only is our biggest game of the year coming up December 10th, we have another incredible, crucial game against the Seahawks in Seattle where we've had tough times with them year in and year out. Um, I feel like the MVP race 
is really down to those three quarterbacks, Purdy, Hertz, and Dak Prescott. And I feel like we'll be able to figure out who the true MVP is in that Eagles Cowboys game because you really have well, you have number one and you have number three going at it with each other. And I feel like they're not gonna be able to show enough because I feel like it's gonna be more low scoring. I think they're gonna be more focused about the ball the clock management because the Cowboys are gonna do everything in this power to try and climb themselves back into the top spot for the NFC. You know, again, I think the knock on Dallas, although they've had a really good year, offenses look great. And, you know, Seattle was a – Seattle, I hesitate to call them a good team. I, I think they have a lot of talent. I, I, I'll i say Seattle's a good team. They've been up and down. They've now lost three in a row after they dropped uh, the Thursday night game to the Cowboys. Um, but for Dallas, you know, the knock on them has been – they really haven't beaten anybody all that great. Um, they beat the Rams, who you know we'll get into. They had a big week this week, and with Stafford there and everybody healthy, the Rams are not a bad team. Um, you know they beat the Chargers, <laughs> who were okay, um, not really that good. But I mean, this winning streak for them: Giants, Panthers, Washington, and Seattle. So, you know, again, the Eagles are definitely their toughest test uh, since they played the Eagles uh, a month ago, and then they also took on San Fran back in October. That, uh, that was the drumming that the Niners laid on them, 42-10 to 10 in that game out in, uh, in uh, Santa Clara. But for the Cowboys, this crucial stretch for them, these next four games, I think are really going to tell us the story uh, on them, similar to how this rough or how this stretch in their schedule Aiden has Kind of showed us, I think, a little bit of who the Eagles are, where their weaknesses are. Dallas, they've got the Eagles on Sunday night. Then the next three weeks, they go Buffalo at Buffalo, at the Dolphins, and then they have the host, the Lions. I mean, that's a pretty hard schedule um, for four out of your last five games to, to wrap up the regular season. That definitely is a rough schedule. Going up to Buffalo, you know it's going to be probably going to be freezing cold up there in December. But then going down to Miami, facing a electric Dolphins offense, and then Detroit, who's also played very well this year. So though after the Philadelphia Eagles, that that is a, a bit of a rough stretch before they play the Commanders on January seventh. But overall, the Cowboys against the Seahawks that overall was a pretty fun game to watch. Um, knowing um, Dak Prescott played, he's been playing phenomenal in this last month. I have to admit, um, coming from a Giants fan, of course. But um, and then same thing with like Deron Bland. Um, who has been getting many pick sixes yes. um, and NFL, interceptions. NFL record now. Yeah, NFL record. But, well, the Cow- record. but the Cowboys, they've been looking. Like, after that Seahawks game, I felt like we were seeing. I know they were, like, beating up on bad teams. But the Seahawks aren't really, like, a deeply bad team. So, I got to I gotta give the Cowboys some credit. But, like, the real thing is, like, it depends, obviously, like, what they do in the playoffs as well. Because, like. This is what been the, has been the narrative. They're always a good regular season team, but then once comes once comes playoff time, they don't do much. They do not do much in the playoffs. But still, Dak Prescott, he's been playing great, and of course, same thing with CD Lamb. CD Lamb's been playing playing great as well, just like AJ Brown with the Eagles. Like those two, phen- phenomenal receivers this year. So hopefully, Eagles Cowboys. 
exciting matchup on Sunday Night Football. Looking forward to it. Um, coming from obviously another NFC East team, and you mentioned, you know, the Dolphins and their explosive offense, and I mean that game between Dallas and Miami might yield like eighty points. Um, yep. Last note here on the MVP: Do we think Tyreek Hill has a shot at it? I feel like a. Do we think he has a legit shot to win it? I feel like he won't, cause like it's a QB award. But if I was in like the, like doing this, I would definitely put Tyreek in there, cause his numbers that he's been putting up have been amazing. He's he had two touchdowns against the Washington Commanders. He has one thousand four hundred eighty-one receiving yards, twelve touchdowns on the year. Like he's I mean, putting he, up, he's putting up inc- amazing numbers, and also if like he keeps it going, like he can potentially. Past Calvin Johnson's receiving yard record that he had in 2012, and also the same thing as almost 2021 Cooper Cup did. So Tyree Kills having one of the best like seasons that we've seen from a wide receiver um, since, of course, Cooper Cup, of course. But then, yeah. like, of course, Calvin Johnson. Yeah, I mean, and neither of those two guys won it. Um, Although a lot of people were kind of clamoring for Cooper Cup to potentially win that MVP award, if he doesn't win MVP, he's automatically winning. Oh boy, though. <laughs> the yeah. The 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 funny the funny thing to me <laughs> is that Tua has better MVP odds than Tyree Kill, which to me is like eh. I don't, I'm not really sure how that works, but um, it's a QB award, just like I said. It is, it is. But at the same time, that just doesn't make it. The last not QB to win it was Adrian Peterson in 2012. Yes. It's been over a decade. Although we have seen uh, some receivers uh, go and win the Heisman. I mean, Devontae Smith, uh, Desmond Martin Howard. Harrison is going to be a f- maybe a finalist this year, um, although it's probably going to go to uh, one, of, one of the quarterbacks, either Michael Pettitz or... Uh, Jaden Daniels Jane or Bo Nicks. Daniels, Bo Nicks, one of those guys. So. All right, but Eagles and Cowboys... I think Dame of the Year is coming up on Sunday night. This should be electric. Everyone was trying to hyping this one up as Dame of the Year. Didn't end up being that way. Now with the Eagles, really with their bats to the wall, I think uh, Sunday night football is going to be incredible uh, in Dallas. So we shall see. But we did have a game last night as well, fellas. The Joe Burrow-less Cincinnati Bengals come away with a win on the road against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who were also down Trevor Lawrence um, as he exited this game uh, with a high ankle sprain. It has now been officially diagnosed. So good news for Lawrence is that he was able to avoid kind of a major, major in, uh, injury um, with with a high ankle sprain. You, know, you figure maybe he'll miss this week's game. Um but he should be good to go within the next couple of weeks. And for Jacksonville, who sit atop the AFC South, um, you know, Indianapolis has been playing pretty well. They're only a game back. Houston is a game back. Jads at eight and four. This was a big uh, this was a big one to drop for them, Connor, because yes, they are at the top of the AFC South, but just a game in front of two teams who have been pretty hot lately. And now without Trevor Lawrence, um, for that tweet, they're going to be on the road at Cleveland. Uh, we know what that Browns defense and that pass rush can do. When you're going to have C.J. Beathard back there, not Trevor Lawrence, this could spell disaster for the Jets. Absolutely. The Browns defense, they're the ones who beat the Niners on a 
missed field goal, but at the same time, they held them to minimal points in that game earlier this season. But when we're looking at the or uh, excuse me, the Jaguars, they're in a really tight division. Usually, the AFC South, you guys, one team that just makes it above just to get that home spot for the wild card. But this year has been really competitive. The Texans, the Texans, the Colts, and the uh, Jaguars all making a run for that playoff spot. And I like what I'm seeing from the Texans mostly, so I feel like that's something to worry about for the Jaguars now that you don't have your star quarterback, Trevor Lawrence. And now it's two teams with backup quarterbacks leading the way with uh, Gardner Minshew for the Colts and then Beathard now for the Jaguars. When you went to the game last night, right, Jads, um, again, when, when Lawrence went out of the game and Beathard had to come in, um, you know, it was rough going. I mean, only three points in, in the fourth quarter. Um, Dame ends up going into overtime, and uh, Cincinnati ends up winning it on an Evan McPherson game winner. Um, but, how, you know, on the side of Cincinnati, down Joe Burrow, kid Jake Browning steps in. I mean, 32-37 for 354? I mean, that's... Not what your typical backup these days is is stepping in and giving you production wise. He peppers Jamar Chase with targets, twelve of them comes down with eleven catches for one hundred forty nine yards and a touchdown. Bengals ran the ball well. Um, it was a really, really kind of inspiring performance, Aiden, for a team that is down one of the star quarterbacks in the lead. And usually when that happens, um, you kind of deem that team, you know. Uh, pretty much doomed for the, for the rest of the year. You pretty much say, oh, well, their season's over. But the Bengals at sits and sits are hanging around after a big time win on the road. I do agree with you because the Bengals were able to do a phenomenal job last night with Jake Browning starting at quarterback and not Joe Burrow, of course. And be, start, they entered this game at 5-6, and six, so it was like I was expecting like, oh, the Bengals' like season would be like done as the AFC North is a pretty rough division, as you see. But Jake Browning, phenomenal job, 32 for 37, 354 yards and a touchdown. Joe Mixon with two touchdowns and 68 yards, and then Jamar Chase, 149 receiving yards and a touchdown. So, yeah, they were able to spread the ball around pretty well last night. And then the Bengals, like, they're looking at their looking at the AFC North, like, they're only one game behind both the Steelers and the Browns. So... This division is a very tight race, but for like the wild card spot especially because you see also Baltimore sits at nine and three. So the Bengals they low key have a, still have a chance, and also they still have two games in the division coming up again later on after during the Christmas time because um next they play the Colts, which is also a team that's kind of um hot right now, but they. Do you, do you have to play the Steelers one more time? They have to play the the Browns one more time. So this is going to be a tight race in the AFC North, hopefully if they keep playing like that with Jake Browning at quarterback. So great job by the Bengals last night. They did their job. But, and then for the Jaguars, this was a bad loss for them. No, do, knowing for a fact that the Texans and the Colts won, won on Sunday and they're 7-5, and five, one game behind both both. Both those teams are one game behind the Jaguars. So, AFC South is also a tight race. 
as well as the AFC North. Yeah, and I mean, again, for the Jads to lose Trevor Lawrence uh, in that fashion and um, for him to go out and to drop that game is, you know, again, (laughs) um, Nick Rizzo used the word disaster to describe what's going on with the Eagles right now. And I was like, okay, that's a strong word. Last night, I think... You know, playing a back and again, you know, all the credit in the world to Jake Browning. He ran in for a score as well. Uh, he actually looked pretty good. Um, but I mean, to lose a game in that fashion um, for Jacksonville at home, prime time, it it, it just, you know, with with the Jags, I don't know. I really want to believe in them. I think they're a well coached team with Doug Peterson and you know Trevor Lawrence. For the most part, you know, on a pretty consistent basis, plays like a top 10 or so quarterback. Um, but at the same time, they, they just lose some games that make you scratch your head. And um, they obviously have the big comeback in the playoffs last year. I don't want to say they're a team that's prone to having them, you know, having that flip stripped on them. or Oh, wow. That stripped flipped on them. But they seem like the team that that is just bound to lose a heartbreaker in in a bit spot again, and so um, I don't know about uh, about the Jad. So they do drop Monday Night Football last night, thirty four to thirty one. The Bengals win it. All right, hold on, we gotta take a break because my phone's dead. Um, what's your phone at? What's my phone at? Thirty nine year old. Give me my charger. I rip it. Here you let go. Me, let me just like six percent. Yeah, it's fine. Good. Sorry, you're. I don't know why. Like, oh, you didn't take off the. You didn't take off the case. Oh shit. All right, wait. All right, wait. It should. It should. God. We'll see. What do I do? I just other side. Yeah. Wow. Word. That's pretty sick. Where'd you get this? Uh, my dad got it for, for Christmas last year. Dude, this thing's fire. That is clutch. Yeah, that actually is really clutch. I just got to charge every day. <laughs> and it this this needs to be charged, I assume, at some point. Yeah. Right. So it's got two bars. That's sick. Yes. Okay, we're back. Not yet. Yeah, it's definitely that's also perfect for like blue coats as well. You just edit that out. Yeah. Audition's pretty easy to edit out stuff. Yeah. Okay, ready? What was the last thing I said? about We were talking about the Jags and Bengals. Alright, we'll just move on. Um Do we want to talk about the Jets? Let's let's it's like, do it's it. like almost a must. I'm sorry. Like that was right, pretty ready? awful. Yeah. All right, moving on. Um, it's that time of week. I've got the Jets jammies on today, reluctantly. Um, I tried to just roll out of bed. was like, screw it, I'll throw them on, even though I'm ashamed to wear these in public um, because the New York Jets just continue to find ways to look worse every single week. Um, it kind of blows my mind how 
it can just get worse and worse and worse. Now, the Jets did release Tim Boyle today. Everybody clap it up. Everybody clap it up. The worst starting quarterback in NFL history will never start a game again in the NFL. Um, and, uh, yeah, they got rid of Tim Boyle after they benched him after the third quarter of this game. Handed the ball off to their savior, Trevor Simeon, who uh, does five for 13, gets sat three times, also loses the ball three times. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you had Dalvin Cook getting the ball nine times in this game. Uh, it was actually running it pretty well until he fumbles. Oh, that's a shocker. Uh, Xavier Dipson leads the team in receiving. Uh, okay. And, uh, yeah, the Jets lose this game 13-8. to I mean, a really entertaining football game here between the Falcons and the Jets. Um, Desmond Ritter goes 12 of 27 for 121 yards, and uh, the Falcons find a way to win. Um, they sweeped it out 13-8 over the Jets, and uh, their season is officially done-zo. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' chance of returning is officially done-zo. So... I don't know. The Jets signed Brett Rippon today, who I guess is Tim Boyle's replacement because Zach Wilson now also doesn't want to play, apparently, um, even though the Jets are now going back to him after benching him. It's honestly, guys, it's just a complete circus. The whole franchise is just a circus, man. Literally, I saw like something like that, and it was like um, like in the meme. It said, like, we're short staff, and he was like, Dan, that's crazy. Good luck, though. Yeah. It wasn't Zach Wilson, but it was like, no, I know, I've seen it. It, it, it. That literally is what happened, though, because they figured, oh, you know, Zach is pretty bad. How could it get worse? Well, it gets worse when you play a guy like Tim Boyle, who was only on this roster because he's buddy-buddy with Aaron Rodgers, which is the only reason why you have your offensive coordinator, your coach has not been fired, and your GM has not been fired. Um. It's the only reason why Alan Lazard is on this team. And Randall Cobb. And Randall Cobb. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the narrative around the Jets at this point is that Aaron Rodgers basically runs the organization. Uh, he has a chokehold on pretty much Woody Johnson and company at the top because they can't fire anybody because Rodgers wants him here for next year. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, it's just so sad because – the Jets' defense is legitimately really, really good. That's, like, one of the only things I will give Robert Sala credit on uh, is that his defense just they, – they play their ass off for him every single week. They they really do. Um, and it's, it, it's, just, it's just really depressing watching the offense just not be able to do anything with it. Uh, and so the Jets fall to 4 and 8, and we'll see where they go – from here, but on the side of Atlanta, you know, they get to sits and sits, guys, and that's really all you need in this just they his, lead historically the weak NFC South. Sits and sits. They are the only team at 500. They're not even above 500. They're just at 500. Everyone else is below 500, and they are winning this division right now. Pathetic and division right there. To me, it looks like they've got the best shot to go ahead and win this division. I mean... The Saints have not looked that good, and then um, the Falcon the Falcons are just sneaking like wins. Like I mean, like to be honest, it's mainly because like the weapons they have, which they really don't use either. Like Bijan, Kyle Pitts, and Drake London. Like Desmond, yeah. like but like Desmond Ritter is like not like a franchise guy. No. 
And Arthur Smith, Arthur Smith should be fired. <laughs> I, I don't know how you have this much talent offensively and you just you just fail to to use them correctly. I get your quarterback is not that great. But I mean, dude, just like give the ball to Bijan like twenty to twenty five exactly. times a game and you'll exactly. probably be you, fine. They're giving it to Tyler Algier good amount. I mean, in this game, Bijan got eighteen carries for fifty three yards, but still like we whenever I've watched like red zone and see like the Falcons on there, they're mainly running it with Tyler Algier. <laughs> Falcons have two big divisional games coming up against Tampa and Carolina. So you figure you beat the Bucks. That probably, you know, that puts two games of separation between you um, and them. And then you, if you could beat the lowly Panthers, which you should, although you never know with this division, I think the Falcons at that point may even have this division wrapped up. They've got the Saints in Week 18 uh, to finish off the regular season, Connor. But, uh... You know, the Falcons just find a way to win here. Uh, they found a way to do it against the Saints last week as well. And so I think at this point, they're probably, for me, the team that is going to come out of the NFC South, even if they go 8-9 and nine, or 9-8. Nine and eight. They're going to win this division. And, uh, I mean, when they get to the playoffs, it's probably not going to be too pretty. But, you know, at the same time, I, I think there is talent here. And defensively, They've been stepping up uh, the last few weeks. They've been playing really well. Jesse Bates has been great for them at the back end. Um, that rookie from Penn State, uh, Ebitady, the edge rusher, has been pretty good. So I'm starting to warm up to Atlanta a little bit. I still don't think they're a great team or anything, but I think you know they're a decent team, and they probably will win this division. I I would agree with it. Um, the Buccaneers, they looked like... You know, being undefeated, had that Monday night game, they were starting 3-0. They were thinking, oh, Baker's back, Baker's back, and then he got exposed. No, but sir. This division's really interesting, the fact that, you know, it used to be the Buccaneers always running the tables every year, and now the Falcons holding sole possession right now by just a game. Um, I do feel bad, though, for Taylor Heineke, who could be flourishing for – could be flourishing for any – team you know you take the Jets you take the Browns you take any team who is quarterback list right now and I think Heineke would have been a great fit for any of those teams it's honestly funny because I was having a discussion I want to say it was even I want to even say it was yesterday on offsides I think this is when I said it I literally said if the Jets had gone out, done their due diligence to bring in any sort of capable backup, and I used Taylor Heineke as an example. I said, if Taylor Heineke was this team's quarterback, they are probably like six and six. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like, Heineke was doing well with Washington. Look where Washington is now. Like he he would win some pretty important games with them or keep it like a good fight. Like that his first start against the Buccaneers in the yeah. wild card in twenty twenty. I, I mean dominated. The difference between him and Sam Howell, I don't know if it's that great, but at the same time, uh, yeah, I think letting him go as a backup is probably a mistake because you give another team now a guy who has shown that he can step in. I mean, you go all the way back, obviously, to that playoff game, his first start against uh, against Tampa Bay when he just came pretty much out of nowhere and kept the the, – Commanders, who were the football team at that time, uh, in that game, nearly won them the game. So Taylor Heineke, yeah, he's a guy who certainly is like one of the higher end backups in the league, and um, he's won games before as a backup and as a starter. So 
Yeah, I, I think for Atlanta, you know, when is this Ritter experiment going to finally come to an end? Because I think for them, that is one of the only things holding them back offensively. Obviously, the play calling with Arthur Smith is one thing. But if you can find a guy um, who can kind of negate some of that um, just with his pure talent, uh, I think this offense really has a lot of potential. I mean, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, um, you know, you have Johnny Smith as well as your other tight end and Bijan. Uh, there is a good amount of talent here, along with Tyler Algier and Porter, uh, Cornell or Patterson in the backfield as well. For sure, Aaron. When we're talking about, like, now I'm starting to think, should have the Falcons, like, given up on Ritter? Because in my opinion, I don't think Ritter's going to make it past this season unless he makes the playoffs, which could be happening, and that's going to put the Falcons into another hole because they're going to think, oh, just because he made the playoffs last year, they're going to get back next year with that quarterback and just some added pieces in free agency and the draft. But I feel like the Falcons need to draft a quarterback this year or go out there and sign a quarterback in free agency. I don't know what the free agency market's going to be this season, um, but I definitely think quarterback is a huge need because it's really holding back the ability of Drake London, Bijan Robinson, and Kyle Pitts, all top draft picks in previous drafts. And the fact that they're not getting the recognition that they should be getting yeah. is just a real question mark. 100%. I mean, I could definitely see a world where in a playoff game, you know, coming out of the second half, uh, coming out of the locker room, you know, maybe it is Taylor Heineke. Um, who starts running the offense out there for Atlanta if Desmond Ritter really isn't uh, cutting it. So that NFC South, man, is just... I mean, the worst part of it all is that Carolina just doesn't have their draft pick, which is just so egregious. I mean, that's just such a bad mistake on their part. Um, You know, whatever Bryce Young turns out to be. I mean, he's not going to be... I hate to say this, but he's just, at this point in time, I mean, this is a generational quarterback draft. The yep. top two pits are, are, I think, better prospects than Bryce Young. I really liked Bryce Young. I think him and Drake May are closer. But, I mean, you're going to have Caleb Williams, a guy who's been hyped as, like, the Nets, like, superstar quarterback. Yeah. Um, you know, can't miss prospect at the top of this draft. And for Carolina, who just needs so much, to not have that top choice with – being the worst team in football is just such such a disgrace. And so, yeah. And to add on to that, the fact that the Panthers gave up DJ Moore, all yep. these draft picks, mm-hmm. just to get Bryce Young. Bryce Young. And credit credit wrong. Um, he definitely was a great quarterback in college, won the championship, um, won the Heisman. He was great. But at the same time, you gave up all of that to get such little back in value. And it probably could have been because of Frank Wright because the Panthers have actually looked a lot better through their last two games since Frank, since Reich has been um, fired. They ha- they lost by a field goal to the Buccaneers, and they lost by seven to the Titans. So there is some sort of bright spot for the Panthers now that they don't have Frank Reich, which is really interesting because I thought Frank Reich was a really good head coach, um, just didn't fit in the system for the Panthers so that's what I would say is like the Bryce Young. I, it's really hard the fact that he was worth all of this trade value, and they're just not seeing a single bit of it. 
So, yeah. Um, I don't even know. How, how do we just... Oh, okay, yeah, Atlanta. So, um, they do end up winning 13-8 over the Jets. And um, that was uh, one of the games this week that was pretty low scoring. We also had the Chargers winning it 6 nothing. That is a real NFL score. Sits to nothing over the uh, world-famous New England Patriots, who, again, I've said it, I am just, I'm just relishing in the fact that the Patriots suck. They stink. They're so bad. It's like the first time they're like this bad in our lifetimes. Like, I mean, they are nuts. We thought last year they were kind of like, okay, like here's the writing on the this wall, like a, baby. This like I a, mean, this year they're really this bad. This is a new low for them. Yeah, hundred percent. Two and ten now with the loss. I mean, you fall to a team like the Chargers who just cannot get out of their own way. They tried to do the same thing in this game, by the way. Um, but I mean, man. Uh, you said it, and just a, a new low for the Patriots, and you know, depending on where they end up, where they end up in the draft, you know, I think I think you know, Drake May could absolutely be her next year. I think there's more than that, though. Just the quarterback play. I mean, you look at you know how Bill Belichick has kind of let the lead almost pass him up in a way. I think. The roster construction, um, along with the play calling, is certainly an issue as well. Um, and look, I mean, Matt Jones has looked horrible this year. Bailey Zappi, um, you know, he's kind of whatever. He's a backup, um, late round, uh, late round pick, and so like there's a lot of work to be done. But if you can figure out the quarterback, we've seen that when Belichick figures out his quarterback, like for real. You know, then he did maybe start to make some magic happen. Um, but again, at the same time, you look defensively, they're kind of middle of the lead in passing defense. Really good against the run, but again, they're allowing over 21 points a game, middle of the lead in, in their down conversion. So they're not the dominant defense that they have been in the past. And I mean, <laughs> all it takes for the Chargers in this game are two second-quarter field goals, and that's the game. Since nothing, as they somehow get to 5-7, and seven, and I guess are still alive in the uh, AFC wildcard race. But, I mean, uh, what even was this game? Dude, what even What even just happened in this game? First off, the Chargers, um, they are they are not good. I, um, just, I mean, it's not just nervous fault, but, like, real stuff. It's like... Brandon Staley should be fired again. Like, I'll say this every week, fire Brandon Staley. But to be fair, like, six points all game? Come on. No, but – and then on the Patriots, their offense is so boring. So boring. Literally. So, of course, like, Bailey Zappi, 141 yards. Their leading rusher, Ezekiel Elliott, an old Ezekiel Elliott, 17 carries, 52 yards. And then Devontae Parker, um, Hunter Henry, Hunter Henry, Ezekiel Elliott. Like, and then, sadly, Ramondre Stevenson got injured, which hate to see. But, like, the, Patri- the Patriots, man, they're, like, they are unwatchable, to be honest. But then, like, but they do have pieces. They do have some decent pieces on their defense, of course. They got Jabril Peppers. They got... um. JC Jackson, like they got like the, they got those type of guys on their defense, but 
this was overall just not not a good game for either either side because the Chargers are no. just they're not in a good spot in their division. Just like I mean, the Patriots are like looking to like tank now, but like the Chargers, they're five and seven, and of course they're last in their division because the Raiders and the Broncos are six and six, and then of course the Chiefs. So I feel like this this is just both teams are in a rough spot. Yeah, as a whole. I I continuously ask myself every week, how does Brandon Staley still have a job, man? I just don't it's get it. So it's they dumb. they underperform, just uh, like almost criminally. <laughs> like I'm sorry, like it's just like like, the, like there should be a punishable offense for this, man. Um, now Austin Eckler has certainly regressed um, physically. He's not the dominant athlete that he was a couple of years ago. Mike Williams has been hurt. I understand all that. I mean, still, though. I mean, against a team like the Patriots, I get their defense. You know, again, there's talent there. They haven't been as great as they have been. But still, it's a tough place to play, Foxborough, blah, 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 blah. I mean, you have a great quarterback, Justin Herbert. You have one of the elite receivers in the league. Um, in, in Keenan Allen, sorry. And so, I mean, this defense is just so terrible that you legitimately allow your team to be left in these games that they should just be winning by double digits. Now, you can talk about how, you know, the offense in this game um, didn't perform to standards, couldn't run the ball, just, just could not run the ball. It is really bad with the Chargers. They virtually have no run game. Um, you know, Quentin Johnston, um, just hasn't really lived up to those first round expectations. And there, there's just a lot wrong offensively and defense. I mean, the defense is horrible, but offensively, you would have hoped more of these pieces would have, fit, uh, fit into place for the chargers. And, um, they, they are just, uh, they're an enigma, man, because there is talent on this roster. And you have a really good quarterback. And at the same time, they are just like, every week, they just try and find ways to lose. Exactly. When we're talking about, we're talking about a Chargers offense, who on paper is supposed to be one of the best with Eckler, who's been unstoppable for most seasons, except he just didn't show. He looked like, he looked like Zeke Elliott out there, honestly in that game against the Patriots, who, you know, they played Zeke out, which is pretty funny. But the fact that Keenan Allen, who was, you know, slightly behind Tyreek Hill in receiving yards, only puts up 58 in that game. Doesn't help Herbert out a lot, despite having 212 passing yards. And the fact that Quentin Johnson had all these opportunities to make plays, he has to realize that he has to step up. There's no Mike Williams. There's no other receiver that they're going to not rely on besides him. And the fact that he's a first-round pick and not living up to his standards that he did at TCU where he was dominant and, like, everyone was loving this guy. And it just shows that he's not – I don't think he's NFL-ready. Yeah, I I would agree. For a big guy, he doesn't win too many contested catches. He's got hands of stone, like we talked about. Uh, butterfingers, as they say. 
As you saw against the Packers, um, on that final drive they had, um, Quentin Johnson dropped the own pass. Um, yeah. That's an example as well. And they took him over. Say Flowers. Say Flowers and Jordan Addison, two kids who have looked pretty, pretty good in their rookie years. Yeah, I don't even know what's up with the Chargers. And also also with the Chargers, that their four of their last five games left are against divisional opponents. They play the Broncos next week. Then they play the Raiders the following week. Then they play the Broncos again on New Year's Eve. And then they play the Chiefs to end the season. So they have a bit of a rough stretch. And then also, other than that, Buffalo Bills as well. So... I don't even know what will happen with the um, Chargers like going forward because that was just not a good game at all by them against New England. Absolutely not. Chargers somehow sweet down a sit and win to get to five and seven. Uh, we had a pretty interesting matchup in the AFC Broncos and Texans. Um, I mean, before the season started, guys, like who was who was? I heard this on uh, Scott Hansen said it on Red Zone. So, uh, all credit to him, but, like, who would have thought this would be, like, a pretty, like, big game in the AFC uh, playoff race between the Texans and the Broncos in Houston? Uh, Texans had a money at 22-17, to 17, a massive game uh, for Nico Collins of Houston. Nine catches, he eats up 191 of C.J. Stroud's 274 passing yards and a touchdown as well. Um so just a monster day for him against this Denver defense that has been playing better as of late. Um, and Russell Wilson does 15 of 26 for 186 in this game, ends up throwing three interceptions, very, very costly, as the Broncos can't find a way to get it done. They have their uh, five-game winning streak snapped at the hands of the Texans, who get to 7-5 and five with the win. This Texans team has been a surprise all year long, and I'm really, really pulling for them to make the playoffs. Right now, you've got a four-way tie, basically, with the with with these wild card teams. The Steelers, Browns, and Colts are in um, because of the fact that um, the Colts, yeah, they beat the Texans in week two, so they're in over the Texans. But Houston also seven and five right there. This is going to be a really really tight AFC wild card race, but I'm really pulling for CJ Stroud as a rookie to get in there with a rookie head coach and all of his guys. I legit think they could make some noise. I mean, if they draw, if they're the seven seed and they draw, uh, I don't know, if they play like Baltimore. Let's say they do like the sit seed and they play the Jaguars. That's that's a game Houston can, can win, I think, easily. I mean, they've that's seen them twice this year. Or they're it would be see a good game because, like, the first game they beat the Jaguars and yep. the la- the most recent game they played, lost an AM field goal that literally hit the crossbar. So, literally two great fights by the Texans against Jacksonville. And, of course, if they played, like, right now, I feel like Houston would have way more of an advantage now because, sadly, um, Trevor Lawrence's injury that happened last night, but Houston would have, like, a bigger advantage if they like, if they were playing at this time right now, and not like in like September, October, even like last week, there is an issue though with the Texans. The fact that they lost Tank Dell for the rest of the season, true, is really yeah, that's bad. another issue, and it's going to now make Nico Collins that wide receiver one, and he's officially start, out for the year. Yes, and you're going to start seeing Nico Collins being that wide receiver one. You're going to have the cornerback matchups, and it's going to be a little tougher now for. Uh, C.J. Stroud for the rest of the season, but he's been really strong with this new coaching staff. Um, I really liked what the Texans have done this season. 
Um, we let guys like uh, saw Brevin Jordan get action, the, yeah. the backup tight end of all people. We did. Um, but the Texans, they're really making noise in this AFC South that they haven't been able to do in previous years. And there's starting to see a glimmer of hope that they're doing the right thing and they're making the right move. Having picks two and three were, was a great strategy from uh-huh. the Texans. Now that you think about it, once they traded that pick away, they got themselves the best quarterback in this draft class, and they got themselves arguably one of the top defense, defensive players mm-hmm. in Will Anderson. Yep, 100%. Um, yeah, I think, you know, and Will Anderson with, with a pair of sacks um, on Sunday. Five on the year. He's been playing pretty well. And, you know, uh, to lose Tate Dell was obviously huge. And it was, you know, a kid who played at Houston and was having such a good rookie year. Um, second round pick. And uh, he was CJ Stroud's, honestly, outside of Nico Collins, his favorite target. Um, Tate Dell, explosive player, big play threat down the field. Whereas Nico Collins usually is more of that intermediate guy, just a guy who, you know, can get open. 15, 20 yards out. Tate Dell was a legit deep threat. Um, and now with the Texans kind of losing that, you wonder where they go from here. But still pretty good weapons offensively. The run game has been solid as well with Devin Singletary and and, and uh, Damian Pierce. And so I think the Texans should still be good uh, the rest of the way. You look at their schedule. The, you want to take a guess who they play this week? 1 o'clock Sunday? Jets. They do. So that's a win. <laughs> At Titans, that's a win. Versus the Browns, okay, toss-up. Versus the Titans, that's probably another win. At the Colts, that's a big game. That might, right there, that could decide who gets into that last uh, wild-card spot. Or if the Jads keep slipping, that could even decide, you know, that could have potential AFC South implications. But Titans do find a way to win it over the Broncos. You know, for Denver guys, Sitton sits now and... Aiden, me and uh, your boy Josh Ayers were having a conversation about the Broncos. And he thinks that despite all the good they've done over the last month, um, they really aren't, you know, built uh, to win the rest of the way. And he doesn't think they're going to find a way into the playoffs. Now, they are only a day back of, of one of those wild card spots. They've got the Chargers twice, the Patriots, and the Raiders uh, in, in five of their – or. Yeah, wait. Four of their last five games. And the Lions, too. They have to be at Detroit. It's kind of an up-and-down schedule, but some winnable games on there for for Denver. Definitely some winnable games for the Broncos. I I could see, like, them taking one of two from – sorry, Los Angeles, almost at San Diego, but um, from the Chargers. Um, And then, um, of course, I feel like they could take the Patriots. Broncos-Raiders would definitely be, like, it's definitely going to be, like, a close game because – the Raiders have had their number since tw- since they've moved to Las Vegas. The Raiders have not lost to the Broncos, so that is always a tough matchup for the Broncos. And this game isn't that game is in Las Vegas, but their toughest matchup: Detroit Lions, Week 15 on it's on the Saturday triple header, by the way. So that game's at 8:15. But looking for the Chargers, I feel like they could definitely beat the Chargers. Like they could potentially do it twice, but like I I could see them winning one of those two games. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully um, they can definitely still have a chance at a wild-card spot because they are not a bad football team. There was just a, some mistakes from Russell Wilson. He had three interceptions, two to Derek Stingley and one to Jimmy Ward. But overall, like he's he's not been playing bad at all. The Broncos, yeah. 
played good football this last month. He's actually been taking great care of the football. Yeah, um, it's... I mean, you know, two fumbles against Cleveland the other week were, were not good, but interception-wise, he hadn't thrown one in close to two months, and, um, you know, the three obviously killed them here on the road against against the Texans. And then also Corlin Sutton, who had 77 yards on two receptions what and a, a touchdown. he had for that first touchdown. That yeah, was that, was in the th- that was in the third quarter, Um, I think, crazy. yeah. That was that was some great effort by Sutton, and of course, a great deep ball from Russell Wilson, which I'm used to seeing from Russ. Of course, when he was in Seattle, so True. that's what I like to see from Russell Wilson because it's just it's just a beautiful deep ball that he's able to throw. Like he's, but to be honest, like it's gonna between like the wild card race and of course the AFC West between the Raiders, Broncos and Chargers like it's i mean i feel like the Broncos and Raiders are going to have like a close like sm- like it's going to be like a close gap between those two teams but like it's it's not going it's again not going to be easy because of course this was a little bit of a rough loss for Denver as well cuz like they if they won they would have been only one game behind the Chiefs who also lost on Sunday so yeah those but I'm sure the Broncos will be okay, though. Moving forward, um, had the Lions squeeze down a win over the Saints, 33-28. Um, Lions get to 9-3. and three. Um, Sam, Laporte, uh, Sam Laporta with the midday, 9 for 140 and a tutty. Saints on the other side. You know, Derek Carr, kind of his usual Derek Carr self, very up and down. Um, they give Taysom Hill the ball. 15 times. He also threw two passes, did not complete one. Saints, to me, are just all over the place. Um, and, you know, Detroit got a bid in this one early, 21 nothing after the first quarter, and the Saints kind of slowly crept their way back into the game. The Lions are not perfect to me. They're a good team. This game should not have been this close, but at the same time, I think this says more about the Saints just kind of being... Uh, what like what the heck even are we? You know, like you have a really good young player in Chris Olave, stud, stud. Um, you know, it's kind of like it. <laughs> like to me, I think that's like kind of it. I mean, Alvin Kamara, yeah, he's just not really the same as he used to be. You can't really expect him to be. He does find the end zone twice. Taysom Hill is a nice Swiss Army knife. Um. But, I mean, the Saints offensively outside of that just don't really have much to, uh, to, to go to. Absolutely, Aaron. When we're talking about the Saints, they were down 21-0 to zero at the end of the first quarter. And you were like, why? Like, all right, so we already know what's happening. But it seems like the Lions, they just started to fall back a little bit, and the Saints started to adjust to their game plan and started to get things cooking. It just was too little too late. And the fact that... It was this close. Is a little concerning for the Lions being nine and three, and they do have a pretty favorable schedule besides the Cowboys and then the Vikings twice. But they do have the Bears and the Broncos next, so they could pull out with those wins right there. And they are, I believe, top of the NFC North, mm. right? Nine yes, and they three, are. Vikings six and six. So. There's nothing to worry about. I think they definitely take this division. I don't think the Vikings or Packers will make any late surprises. Um, but I do like the Lions a lot. It was just a little concerning, the fact that that game was just 
It went from 21 to 0, and they almost, almost blew it. And then you have, you know, Michael Thomas from his couch tweeting about uh, Derek Carr. And um, when Jameis Winston got put into the game, he tweeted, God is with Jameis. <laughs> so I think there's definitely some um, some vitriol in, uh, in that locker room. For the Saints, and obviously they've got it that smooth and now Michael Thomas, um, you know, hasn't, uh, Michael Thomas hasn't, um, Played um, in close to a month now for the Saints, but he's a guy, when he's out there, you know, he's an option. Um, obviously, again, not the same guy he was, but again, can't expect that. So, Lions get to 9-3 and three with the win. They're going to end up winning that division, and so we'll see how they fare in the postseason. Um, Let's see, we're running out of time here. I want to talk about maybe a couple other games. Yeah, Kyler Murray returned for Arizona. They looked pretty good on the road against Pittsburgh. The game that got delayed by weather for like two there hours. Like, there yeah. was two delays in that game. Yep. Um, yeah, man, the Steelers, uh, I mean, Mitchell Trubisky comes into this game after Kenny Pickett exits with an injury, and uh, their quarterback situation is just really bad, too. Um, and so we'll see what their ceiling is. I mean, they found ways to win games. They're still 7-5, and five, but... Arizona definitely looked like the better team out there, which is concerning. Colts win it in overtime over the Titans, which he played pretty well, uh, 31-28. Tampa Bay over Carolina, 21-18. Rams dropped 36 on the Browns. Rams looked uh, maybe back in action. Um, Puka Nakua back to having his, uh, his big games with 105 yards. And a touchdown. Kyron Williams being back has been bid for them. Didn't Nakua get hurt? He did. Um, yeah, he got hurt. Uh, he hurt his shoulder, I think. Pretty sure. Um, let's see. Yep, he's got a sprain in his joint. Uh, but it says says Sean McVay doesn't expect him to um, miss the game against the Ravens. So I think he should recover during the week. Uh, but, yeah, Kyron Williams being back for them has been huge. Uh, he's he's really, really good. They beat the Browns, who dropped to 7-5. and five. Rams at sits and sits have kind of leapfrogged back into the NFC wildcard race. Um, the Dolphins do their thing against the lowly commanders who are just, I am, again, I'm just, Ron Rivera is just a ticking time bomb. Like, he has to go. I mean, they fired, they the, fire they fired the defensive coordinator, and, oh, man, they got a huge defensive performance, right? 45 points put on you. I understand Miami is, like, the you know the best offense in the league or whatever, but... They're, Washington's just not good. No, they are not. Not at all. Sam Howell, not a good game either. 12 of 23 and an interception in this one. Tyree Kill. Man of his own. I mean, I mean, the stats are just like I know video game numbers is such a cliche phrase, but it literally looks like the guy is is playing bad. And when you just look at his 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 recent performances, like the guy's gonna hit two thousand yards this season. I think it's just crazy with five games to play. He's at fourteen eighty one. I think he honestly has a better chance of getting to two thousand than not. He's just he's like a guaranteed a hundred yards every single week. Five for 157 and two touchdowns. There's still five games left in the season. Uh, a couple of massive touchdowns from two and a tie rate in this game. Like, like 70 plus yards. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. 
Um, Devon Chain comes back for Miami. He gets back into the action right away, finds the end zone twice. They've got a, a two-headed monster bat there with him and Mostert. I mean, the, the Dolphins' offense is really, really good. I don't see many teams stacking up with it. It's just defensively there were some questions there, but Jalen Ramsey back. Uh, the Dolphins have looked pretty decent defensively as well. I think the last game we'll actually get into here, guys, is the Sunday night game. Chiefs and Packers. Whew, the Packers have turned things around. They've won three in a row. They've won four out of their last five, and they're six and six. All of a sudden, they're right there for a wild card spot when a month ago we thought this team was dead in the water, and they beat the Chiefs, who are now eight and four. Uh, and, have, and have dropped three of their last five games. Jordan Love, guys, ha- has to be the story of the last few weeks, I think. He has gone from early in the season, the Packers really having like training wheels on him, not letting him throw the ball like 15 plus yards down the field. They were just so scared to let him go out there and do his thing. And when he would throw the ball down the field, it was just bad. Like he just wasn't playing well at all. And he looked like one of these guys that you know, have the arm talent or whatever, but fizzle out because they just can't figure it out. But Jordan Love all of a sudden is, is playing great football and he's, you know, leading the Packers on this run and they win it 27-19 at home over the Chiefs. What is this Packers team ceiling, you think, this year with Jordan Love at the helm? Wild card for sure. Um, I like them over the Vikings, honestly. Unless Jefferson gets back then it's going to be even tighter than how it is right now, even though they're both 6-6. Six and six. At the same time, you're looking at a team with the Packers, three touchdowns for Jordan Love. He was having some wishy-washy performances before those three games, so like you didn't know if he was really going to be the answer as their quarterback going forward. Watson's starting to find a groove, which is really nice to see, and I think the Packers could definitely reach the wild card with the direction they're heading right now. Yeah, the Packers, like, they've been playing great football these last few weeks. Of course, Jordan Love, 267 yards and three touchdowns against the Kansas City Chiefs. He's done a great job for Green Bay, especially this is his first year as a full-time starter for the Packers. And then, of course, we were able to see some, like, different opportunities from different players. So, ball again spread out. A.J. Dillon, 73 rushing yards on 18 carries. Love was throwing the ball to Romeo Dobbs at 72 receiving yards. Christian Watson, 71 and two touchdowns. So, yeah, the Packers, they've been playing pretty good football these last few weeks. And then, of course, I saw this stat, like, during the game, since 2019 when Matt LaFleur got fired, or not fired, hired, the Packers have been 15-0. and So now they're 16-0 in December. So it is, like, so honestly, like, Going for like next week, to be honest, I'm definitely like worried for this Packers team because they've been playing good. They've, I, a lot of respect for their team. And like, of course, they're going to find a way. They're going to find a way because I don't like the Packers. They really have not been like too bad in our lifetimes. Like, they've been like, they've, <laughs> they've had, been pretty, they've been pretty good. They've had years, they've had a couple years with like six wins, but like, that's like the worst they've had. Like, they've been like pretty consistent, of course, with Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre, and obviously now. Jordan Love in his first year, which we thought would at first was like they're like not going to be like really good at all, but like they've been finding ways and they're just like trying to stick in this with the wild card race and of course with the Vikings who are also six and six. So 
Packers have done a great job, and then they will play the Giants on Monday Night Football next week. Week 13 is behind us. Six teams were on by this week. However, uh, the rest of the way, um, only Arizona and Washington are off next week, and then no more buys the rest of the way through. Then we are uh, getting into the uh, home stretch. We've got five weeks left, guys, and so uh, the NFL season already into its uh, back third. Seems like the season goes so quick every year, but we are already in, you know, closing in on the second week of December. So uh, that has been it for a third and lawless week. Uh, again, uh, we thank you all for tuning in. Uh, no Sam Prince today, so I've been your host, Aaron Hook. I've had Connor McAndrew, Aiden Ray come and join me. Thank you guys for stepping in here on this chilly Tuesday night, uh, you know, in the borough, coming inside, warming up a little bit, talking about some football and so. Uh, also, happy belated birthday to Aaron Rodgers. Um, please save us. All right, that's it.